recording. Uh, welcome to Full Circle with Kane. Um, today we've got Mark. Um, so, Mark, man, how, how, how are you? I'm really good, man. It's a pretty average day in Auckland, so I can't complain. Cheers, man. Cheers, cheers. Oh, mate, for, look, you're the first person I've had on um, on on the podcast, man. So, look, um, I wanted to get you on, and there's a bit of a reason why I wanted to get you on and be probably one of the first. Um, listen, man, like for myself, as a salesperson, I learned a lot from you, yeah? Um, you're a mentor to me when we used to work together. And for anyone listening, we used to work at a company called SRR. Um, we sold over the phone and we did online marketing, so Google AdWords, social media, all that kind of jazz. Um, just for yourself, Mark, just you know, your work ethic and whatnot is something that I really admired. You know, um, as a sales student of sales, um, coming in every morning, we broke everything down into blocks, and I really just learned a lot from you, man. So uh, it was a bit of a no-brainer for me to have a conversation with you, and um, yeah, just go over a few things, man, that I think that my particular audience might be able to, you know, to, to get something from, cool. um, you know, over the phone sales. So if I, I suppose a couple of quick questions, brother. Yeah. Um, you've been in sales for how long now? Like um, sales and what we've been doing for how long? <laughs> That's a great question, man. And okay. I think, you know, I mean, like there was that book, I think you, you've heard about it, about the um, syllabus by Grant Cardone. And it talks about how basically from the moment you're born, you're a salesperson. But I, I classify my sales career was in 2011 um, when I started working for Gopher. But the awareness of sales was... Pump, pump my... the brakes just for two secs. Just, mm. just for those who don't know, Grant Cardone is uh, he's a, a marketer, right? Marketer who also yeah, does he... a lot of podcasts and stuff. And um, yeah, you'll probably, anyone that's listening to this will probably know who he is. Yeah, he's a self-proclaimed um, number one sales expert globally. Um, I, I don't know. I don't actually know how to rank him and how you would rank him. But he definitely knows. He definitely knows the stuff. He's definitely um, helped me, and a lot of my content and what I've passed on um, has come from him. But yeah, like he he talks about how you know from the moment you're born, you are a salesperson. You know, if you're a baby crying, you're wanting to get your way in life. Um, and it's actually a really interesting um, topic on that about how we lose that willingness and that want to get our way. But like for example, a baby will cry until it gets what it wants. Do you know what I mean? Right. Like, um, right. But yeah. So, so, you, so you've been in sales for a while, since Gopher, really? Yeah, to pinpoint it, for me, the, the instrumental change, the instrumental time that I classified myself as a salesperson um, was working for an online marketing company, the name of Gopher. Um, and they were one of the fastest growing online directories in Australasia um, and was part of Deloitte's top 50. Um, at that time, so um, it was a boiler room, man, absolute boiler room. It was suits, wooden floors, glass offices, uh, Lamborghinis and Ferraris. It was like a young person's dream to be molded in, and it was hard, cold calling, um, foot standing eight hours a day, drinking two monster energy drinks just mm -hmm. to have energy. <laughs> I'll never forget that, man. Get into work at six thirty, leaving at six. Good times, man. Yeah, 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 and I suppose that's one of the things, man. Is like, uh, I I believe I'm a natural salesperson. I've always uh, sold, in, and 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 then the thing with being a natural salesperson, it's not being a natural salesperson. It's realizing for yourself, right? Something that you touched on that you, this is this is who you are. I'm a salesperson. Yeah. Like I I love to promote things, things that I'm passionate about, that I care about. Would would you say I'm on the right track? 
you're, you're, I think you're 100% on the right track. And I think too many people actually don't associate right. them all because yeah. people are too scared. Uh, uh, Why do you think that is? There's a bad rap, man. There's a bad reputation. Like when we go into like the education system, as we both know, we've talked about this before. We should do a, um, a topic on it later on, but it's outdated. And why is it one of the most important skills that any person in the world, anyone that's transferable in every single industry is not taught in school, right? Like, <laughs> which is the ability of sales. Like, why is that not taught? And then we're taught the opposite. We're taught that they're dodgy salespeople. We're taught that sales is a job, it's not a career, which is another topic that can be discussed, right? But I think that the, the problem is there's been too many people in history that have abused the ability of salespeople because when you're a salesperson, you have the ability to create an emotion for someone to purchase a product or to, to decide um, to decide something that you want in your favor, right? So it's, a, it's a very, very powerful tool. Do you remember back in um, um, SRR, we used to talk about how you guys should have a license to have the phone because you could go home, pick up the phone, call any stranger and grab their credit card details. It was a true skill, you know, and people in the past have abused that skill. Um, and they've really ruined, they've really, really ruined the image of that. And I know that you're one of the few people that I know of that wants to change that, you know? And I think even through these podcasts and these series, people will start seeing that there is a different light there. Mate, if, if I had it my way, I would have, I would have done sales from the moment I could speak. <laughs> Mate, like, I would be there right with you. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's, 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 it's to summarize it, man, there's been people that have tarnished the name. They really have. And it's, 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 there's good people like Grant Cardone, Gary Vanyachuk. Um, there's, a, there's an influx of them now saying, hey, actually, no. No. It's, it's, there's good people out there offering great products. I, uh, I've said in the past, and I've always quite owned it for, for a long time now to say that I'm a salesperson. I've taken pride in it, and I've always admired people like uh, Donald Trump and, and even fictional characters like Ari Gold from, uh, who's actually based <laughs> off a, a non-fictional character, actually, but Ari yeah. Gold from Entourage and whatnot, cool. people that, that own it, right, because they really own it, and that, that's really something I've admired, but I've, I've, I've spoken to friends and family members especially, and they look down at sales, you know, look down on it, maybe because it's something that they could never do, or perhaps it's associated, right? A lot of people associate sales with um, some sort of trickery to trick somebody into, yeah. into, into doing something that they perhaps don't want to do. And I've always thought that it isn't that. What sales is really, when you, when you really think of it, is solving people's problems. And every time that I've spoken to someone, they have an issue. I've always yeah. been able to sell the solution to them because I, I'm, I'm dead set that this is the solution um, to, their, to their, their particular problems. Yeah. You know, but by emotional intelligence, which I think is a key component in success, right? Having the ability as a salesperson or becoming a really good salesperson, it is so transferable in any industry that it is a skill set that everyone should master. If you're a dentist and you're a great salesperson as a dentist, you will become a more successful dentist. If you're a lawyer and you're a great salesperson and you're a lawyer, you'll be a more successful lawyer. You know what I mean? It, it is a skill set. It's a skill set that every single industry needs. It does. Like, I can't... Can you think of an industry that we're exposed to or that we... Any industry that where the ability of sales, if you're, if you're at a higher level, it would not produce more results? Like oh, any no, industry. not at all. I can't think of anything. Gardening, even a dairy... You know what I mean? Even a dairy. Like if you're, if you imagine being a dairy owner and having the ability of sales, when you get to that counter, 
you're not going to walk out with one with one bags of lollies. You're going to walk out with three bags of lollies. You're going to get upsold. You know what there's, I mean? there's, like, no, there's no business in the history of humanity, as far as I know, that has yeah. ever succeeded being a, you know, functioned successfully without yeah. the ability to acquire new clients, right? Or bring on a new business. And the way that you do that is through sales. So as far as I'm concerned, and, and a lot of the greats like, um, like Mark Cuban and a whole bunch of other people, they'll always talk about how important sales is. Yet the majority of the public just have this weird thing with sales. I know people who are salespeople and they'll call themselves marketers or they'll yep. call themselves something else, an account manager yep. of some sort. Purely mm. because they're afraid to be labelled as a salesperson. Yeah, and it's really sad. It really is sad. And unfortunately, I've been in that same trap. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I was going to say, if we pick up our business cards, what does your business card say? Do you right. know what I mean? But mine doesn't say anything. Mine just says my name. So, but if you go and meet some professional salespeople, it, you're right. It will say key account manager, senior account manager. It will say all these fancy titles, right? But never will it say professional salesperson. Ever. Right. It's very, rare, it's very rare that you do find that, which is which is crazy. But back to what you were saying about Donald Trump and how he's one of your, um, you know, top mentors when it comes to sales. I mean, the man became the president of the United States. Do you think that when he got up on that pulpit to pitch his idea of a better America, that wasn't a sales pitch? It was a sales pitch. It was like a morning meeting on steroids. It was <laughs> like it, I, I watched those. Um, those rallies and him on the pulpit because I was watching a person, a master in terms of being able to create an emotion from his crowd and deliver it. And you would see them respond. And now he's running the most powerful or arguably the most powerful country in the world. Come mm. on, man. Like that's just, there's no way that was, there's no way that sales did not play a massive part in that. And no, he would have been a billionaire yeah, think- now. His ability to persuade and influence is bar none, top of the table, Matt. Um, oh, one, one thing I'd say, Matt, is you know, you've been a sales trainer, you've worked in sales yourself. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you're a director of a company now, which is Matt Kellen Co. Um, look, you've seen the ups and you've seen the downs of sales, you know. Um, mm-hmm. it's a it's an easy industry to get into, but it's a hard one to be able to do properly, right. What do you yeah. think sets apart? So I always broke it down, and I always thought that there's your your underachievers. And yep. then there's the guys in the middle who somehow do just enough to sneak under the radar, but yep. not enough to really get any uh, glory. And then there's your your top performers, mate, which are, are bar none pretty hard to come by. But those guys are the ones that all the rest of them really, really model their. They're, they're, they're the guys that they're the guys that really lead the ship forward. You know, um, mm. what do you think it is, man, that sets apart you know the best earners? from from the mediocre ones and the poor performers because you yeah. how many people have you when when we were working at SRR and I had come in quite a while later yeah there was an exodus of staff of something oh I heard crazy <laughs> numbers of like 200 300 people yeah. um, and for those who don't know uh, anyone that's listening those are people that have been fired okay yeah fired and we burned them and churned them. But that's the way, in my opinion, that you find the good ones. And I've always taken yeah. that with me. Higher five, fire four, keep one. Higher five, yeah. fire four, keep one. In New Zealand, we have a law that means that you can you have a three three month a ninety day cooling down period. So yeah. New Zealand, for anyone listening that is not in New Zealand, um, yeah. we can we can get rid of them within that period. So it's a good yeah. thing, and then it's a bit of a bad thing as well. So what what are some of the things that that, um, that you or that 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 sets the two apart. 
That's a bloody great question, man. And just to kind of answer the other question you had, but I, I actually counted because uh, another company I was consulting for, um, they asked a similar question, like how many salespeople have you, you know, worked directly with? And I, I actually counted that I've, I've let go personally in my time as a manager in that particular company, over 700 people. Like God. <laughs> it was actually crazy it was it was a r ridiculous amount of people that's a space that's over a space of like seven to eight years right, right. so it was many people a month so, but if you remember we were getting five at a time and we were churning through them you know so how much, how much money were we making for the for those who don't know on a quarterly basis how much was our group making uh the Next. largest quarter we played part of right like we can we we can actually claim that we've made millions in the phone, which we have. I think I um, you've done you've done over a million easy. I've done a couple of mil to three mil easy. Miguel, who you probably will probably interview one day or sooner, was is done a couple of mil easy. But there was one quarter where we did one point four million dollars of ad sales. Right. Sorry, can you say that again? One point four million dollars <laughs> of ad sales in a quarter. Like 1.4 million. Three months for it, those who ain't good was, at math and don't know what a quarter is. That's three months. There was, was one afternoon, if you remember, where we um where we were chasing a target down. It was something ridiculous. I think it was like twenty-two thousand dollars cash collected, right? Um, so not invoice. We have to we had to collect that cash in the account, and if we did it, we could leave the for the Friday early. We had to put a halt on the team when they got to forty-seven thousand. We had to stop everyone. We we're like, whoa, whoa, whoa stop. It was 47 grand in the space of like three hours. I so that, the ability of those people were insane. And they were the ones that really made it to the top. But to answer your first 47 question. 47 grand in three hours. Yeah, I know. And I see all these videos on YouTube about like, oh, you can make 10 grand in the first month. You can make this I see much money. Oh, and I believe it. I actually believe it. <laughs> I, I, I know you can because I've seen it. <laughs> I've yeah. seen it. You can pick up the phone right now and make $1,000. Yeah, people, not people, people look at you funny when you talk like that too because they think, oh, well, you, you, you're doing something dodgy, first of all. But, yeah. um, but it's so true. It's so true. You know, they, they, think it's, they think it's kind of weird. But then I, I, was, I, was, um, I, I had a client meeting yesterday and he's a, um, a dog trainer online, right? And they hired one of the largest YouTube agencies um, globally um, and they're a New Zealand-based company to do their YouTube ads. And he goes, Mark, this company that's the agency is so good at what they do on YouTube that one of their clients, which is a dating company, spends $1 million a week on YouTube ads. Now, now what, what, that made, what that made me realize, I was like, I didn't care about the mill a week because I know other companies spend a lot of money on advertising, was I was trying to figure out if you're willing to spend a $1 million a week on YouTube ads, what kind of return are you getting? Like, you must be getting an amazing return on that investments at a million a week you know what i mean like that's a, that's 50 48 million a year like it's just there must be there must be it must be returning 10x it has to be 5x to 10x but um, i know we i know we're um, digressing but to answer your question right my person i mean i don't there's no i don't think there's one true answer to what separated those people um those underachievers or overachievers or those people that didn't succeed at that time in our, in our environment it didn't mean they wouldn't succeed in other environments but in the environment we created, the, the biggest difference that I saw personally, right, and to, if I could pinpoint it to one thing, was that the people that succeeded had a different purpose behind why they were at work. It wasn't just the money. It wasn't just their career. It wasn't just growth. It was a culmination of things. You know what I mean? And we, we talk about motivation. We talk about goals. But it's, it's truly that, that purpose. Why would you turn up an hour and a half before work? Why would you stay an hour after work? You know, and those were the people that, 
saw, saw success, right? They would skip their 15-minute breaks. They would cut their lunchtime short because it wasn't about working hard for them. They had a purpose to be there every day. And that purpose was tailored to who they were, you know? Um, I remember I remember you, Kane, you used to come to work. I would either be the first or the second at work and it would be me or you there. There was no mm. reason to be there an hour and a half early. You weren't getting paid. <laughs> You weren't getting paid for that hour and a half, were you? No, not at all. Most people were turning up at five minutes to 10 minutes to start time. But those people that turned up early, my, there, there was a correlation between their dedication, right, in terms of to, to their business and themselves, and the results. The, the, the overachievers would turn up early. And the underachievers didn't even realize that. By the time they got to work, everyone was already there. You know what I, I mean? Agree. Like, so... To, for me personally, um, I think one of the main differences for most people is that they know why they're there. I think that's where it needs to start. And we were talking about it this morning, right? My, my purpose right now for um, certain parts that I need help with, which you've been helping me, uh, that you've been mentoring me, funny enough, right? Um, to kind of go through that this season of my life is trying to figure out that purpose. And I think whenever you're lost, whenever you're not you know, in the right direction, that purpose or that why needs to be revisited because it changes. As you grow, it changes, right? Your why five years ago is no longer your why now. Your purpose when you were a kid is no longer your purpose now. And it won't be again in five years and 10 years time. And it's something that needs to be revisited all the time. I agree, man. I totally agree. For those who don't know, Mark used to um, used to come in sometimes at 6.30 in the morning. Now, we didn't really start working until 9. Oh, and yeah. uh, I just thought it was a great time to, for me to come in and yeah, I just felt better. I felt better when I was there early. And I suppose that's something for, for every high performer, right, in any industry, right, is, is yeah. why you're there. Like, what is that? And like, you keep talking about your why, your why, your why, and your purpose. I suppose for me, my purpose was to really sharpen my tools. Yeah. I wanted to be the best in that company. And maybe it wasn't always the best salesperson or maybe, but I wanted to be the best person I could be as well mm. and uh, you know for the most part I felt like putting in the time it didn't feel like work for myself but no. seeing you come in every morning man I could see that, that there was the drive there for you there was that purpose there for you you used to come in at sometimes 6 30 you go to the gym you do your workout you come up we have your coffee at the time we were both smokers but you'd have your cigarettes as well in the mornings and then we'll go back up and you know we're ready to man those phones and get things going but what I found really interesting man which was uh Something that I've taken with me, and it isn't just with sales or, or running my team or, or my business or anything, but it's also in life, breaking down the day into in, as, as many times as possible, right? So yep. for us, for our working environment at that particular time, and for a lot of guys that either run a sales uh, team right now, have a sales mm. floor, have a business where they're trying to build an obsessed sales team, this yep. re works really well. So if anyone's taking notes, take notes. But what Mark used to do is he'd, he'd sit us down for the would have blocks. So the first block would be from nine till what was it, quarter to 11? And then, yeah, come back at, we have a break for 15 minutes, come back at 11. And then from 11 to one, one yep. o'clock, you have your break. And then from one to two, that's your lunch. And then two to 3.45. And then four o'clock through to 5.30 ish or six o'clock, whatever it might be. Yeah. Um, but that, you broke it down into blocks. So say, for example, if you didn't perform in the first block, that's okay. You've warmed up, but make sure you put some time in. You can reflect on that first block, and we, we would we would hold each other accountable. We'd talk about things like uh, when we came back on that first break, what did you do in that first block? Who have yeah. you gotten in touch with? What businesses are you working in? How many, how many callbacks have you arranged? Um, hmm. 
yada yada and then you come to the next block and you're sat there talking about what you've done and if you've done jack shit all and you've done fuck all well you're held accountable and you don't feel good about that so you've got that next block to turn it around and one thing i watched is i watched i watched guys I, I i would watch i won't say her name but one of these girls she would be terrible sometimes in the morning maybe she just had a shit morning she'd just woken up and the, the girl was quite young and and she'd yeah. come in that first block she'd have a shit first block a shitty yeah. second block have something to eat finally for the day come back at back in that third block and boom yeah. she'd make a five thousand dollar deal she'd, you know yeah. whatever it might be and yeah, yeah. and i yeah, and I watched that magic work because just like life, you break everything into days. Well, mm. you can do that. You can do that on a, a daily basis. And like you know, it only takes that one deal, right? A whole deal, in my opinion, can change your whole fucking life. It really can. It can change your whole <laughs> outlook, make you more positive. You'll be a better human being if you go home knowing that you got and you managed to get to the, you know, the target because you've put in the work. And I know it only takes moments, right? And those moments can change everything significantly and i've even spoken to a, a friend who's in a different industry than us and uh he, he quite laughed at that and yeah I, i've watched it firsthand and that's something that i i saw for yourself mate that you brought to the table that really really um that 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 i was just blown away man yeah i'll always take that with me because i think it's really really good advice and I've seen it firsthand. I've seen how how it really works and how it can really change a sales a sales team dramatically just by breaking everything down into block increments. Yeah, and you know, you know, you know why I think that um sales is such a such a powerful skill to master or at least get into is because there's so many things that you learn in in the art of sales that is so transferable in everyday life. So even looking at your targets per day and breaking your you know days into blocks, whatever it is, whatever your goal was, but may, may it be monetary or may it be uh, activity if you broke it down it seemed a lot more achievable so even with our goals now like whatever goal it may be like let's say you want to um i don't know you want to lose weight right so you want to lose 10 kgs over the next 10 weeks right you break that down to one kg per week and then you break that down to less what was that 130 40 grams a day you break that down to 10 grams an hour Do you know what i mean it suddenly sounds a lot more achievable as opposed to 10 kgs over 10 weeks and the key behind that is, is that it's by you doing it in small blocks, it actually creates momentum. So if your measure for the whole day was to, I don't know, get two sales, right? At the end, if you only measure it as one day, at the end of the day, you had zero sales, you'd feel like shit. But like you said, if you had a bad block, but you sent out four proposals, made five phone, uh, made 10 phone calls, had three great conversations, you're one step further in achieving that goal. So and it, it, it's, Sales, like life, is all about momentum. The more wins you get, the, the more confident you get. So by breaking it in the smallest blocks and winning in those small blocks, it builds momentum but builds confidence as well at the same time. And the next okay. thing you know, you're achieving these goals left, right, and center. But like, if you were to set a goal right now, I need to save $100,000 in six months so I can buy a house, whatever it is. If that's how you look at that goal, if you achieve it, great, definitely, right? But if you break it down in 10 grand increments, every time you save 10 grand, you, you celebrate it, you go, cool, I'm a step forward, you're going to build momentum. You know, there's 10 stages, you got to build momentum. And it's a lot easier to achieve 10 grand than to achieve 100. You've got to do it 10 times. That's all you got to do. Yeah. Yeah, it's, yeah, yeah. See, see the, the, yeah, big tasks, right? When you break it down daily, hourly, they, they don't seem so hard, right? And, and, no. and that's one thing I, I always found in sales as well, though, is when you're, you're trying to get someone to understand where you're coming from, to, 
to to persuade them to eventually either buy your product or or or, or take on your idea, breaking yeah. it down that way as well, just for them, just to create an analogy. Yeah, they understand that, and that the 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 obstacles in their way don't seem so hard as well. No, you're right, hundred percent right. 100% yeah, right. and and that's something that I've really taken from um from from SRL our time working together, man. I suppose um just a couple of other things as well. So you know we talk about purpose and our why. I think for myself, my why, you know, getting up every day and coming in and slugging it out and and doing my sales and being the sales rep that I wanted to be. That's not behind me, but what it is, I found just, and I know you did as well, right? My purpose, it just felt a lot more, I felt a lot more connected with it when I was training or have been training other salespeople or perhaps, you know, teaching someone else. Um, One, I think you would agree. And I suppose, how has training other other salespeople affected your life? So when I, I'll just give you a quick example. So you understand mm-hmm. what, what, I, what I mean by that. Um, watching people go from in that first week, right, to I can't do it, to I just did it within five days, and their whole attitude changed. That for me touched me and made me realize that, hey, listen, like we've talked about for the last 20-odd minutes, it, uh, it was a transferable skill that I know they're going to be better off with in life due to what I just taught. Yeah. That's massive fuel, isn't it? Isn't it, mate? Yeah, it is. Um, man, I, I can honestly associate my um, my personal growth in the industry of sales uh, to to one major thing. Not only my me learning, but every time I taught someone, I learned. Right. So because I was in charge of training for the company, and I would spend I don't know two weeks of the four weeks a month in training, the majority of it, or constantly training. Every time I taught someone the basics of what the, the foundations of the business, I was relearning that. And if ever you want to learn something really well, right? And let's say you know the basics of it, teach it to someone else because it it ingrains that in your DNA. It ingrains it in in yourself. So for me, one of the easiest ways, one of the the best ways that I found growth in sales was when I was teaching new people. And they didn't understand that I was getting as much from being in that training as they were. You know, they would come out of that training going, wow, I've learned so much. Wow, I've done this. But my goodness, every time I was there, I was sharpening my sword, sharpening my sword, sharpening my sword, sharpening my sword. You know, I didn't have a book or a presentation or a pamphlet or a brochure to follow. It was already in my head because I kept doing it over and over and over again. So by, by, by teaching these young, you know, the new guys um, what we were learning um, in that company, it actually made me a better salesperson every right. time. You know, so it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a life hack. It's a real life hack. Like if you want cool. to learn something, go teach it. Seriously. Yeah, like, I agree. Obviously, you need to know it a bit more. Like you can't just like read off a textbook, but it's a great, like I even remember when I was in high school, right? One of the ways that my mate, a good friend of mine, um, who's one of the most successful health economists now in the country, one of the ways that he would help me during exams was he would make me teach him on what the book was about. So he would make me read a chapter close the book and then go teach me what you just learned. It was one of the easiest ways to, to basically learn and ingrain that in yourself. Right. For, for, for anyone who's, uh, you know, who's starting out to be a, a, a sales trainer, 
Yeah. What do you think are some of the, the rules or the things that you would advise them to either keep an eye out for or how they could enjoy it? Because for what I remember, from, from my experience, a lot of it can be um, a little bit draining, just the, the juggling personalities as well, yeah. but also it can be very rewarding. Yeah. And, and yeah. what I found is like enjoying those rewards as a team. Not mm. just with myself, but as a team, we all, you know, I, I'm all, I'm a big fan of incentivize, incentivize, incentivize. Incentives, I think we do things because we need an incentive to do things. And I think if you give people enough incentive, they'll go out and do it. And whatever their incentive and their why is, it's dependent on them. But as a team, you can have something as well. And I just think that there's got to be other salespeople out there that I know that are probably having a tough gig. Perhaps they're yeah. not made out for that, for sales training. One yeah. thing I always knew was that I always followed the people that were doing as I as they said they were going to do. Yeah. You, you, I think... Um, they walk the walk, essentially. That's a key question to actually ask because there's so many people out there that are not just sales trainers, but they're teachers you know, in other industries. And, you know, like, I, like for example, I remember in high school and university, the, the teachers and um, lecturers that I... Um, welcomed the most that I learned from the most were those who were truly passionate in a what they did and b seeing people grow right so what may that be sales or may that be you know you're a personal trainer or you're a teacher right you need to be first passionate about what you do and you need to be really honest about wanting to see people grow because if you don't have those two things it's going to be very hard if you're doing it for money right that motivation will only last so long where where I fell in love with sales training, and like you've mentioned it a couple of times now, right, was seeing people grow. When I saw that was a true addiction that I had in, in sales training. I never got paid more for training people. It was the same pay, right? Yeah, but when I, I saw, yeah, when I saw them achieve things they believe or couldn't comprehend, right? And the the look on their face or the changes in their lives, seeing them go from what you know, from bartenders and baristas to six figure earners, right? That was the addiction that I had. And I know you have the same addiction because one of the earliest um, memories I have of you, Kane, and we were talking about sales far, 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 um, far before your, you voicing your want to be a sales trainer because you, you never voiced it before, but your action said it, right? You became a team leader. You were mentoring a lot of people. You started running your own team, started seeing results, and you started getting addicted to it. And it's funny because you bring up that girl that you mentioned before, the young girl, but she was one of your first students. You know what I mean, and to this day, she still speaks very highly of you, and because she, you played a, you played an integral part in her sales career, and there's probably a lot of other people out there um, that you've you've helped. But I remember this one particular part that you said you said to me, and I think we share it. I don't I don't have the same passion as you do, but I share the same thought. Was you wanted to change the way Rotorua is, the people in Rotorua? Yeah, for right. anyone who doesn't know, Rotorua is the town I come <laughs> from, which is uh, <laughs> that's funny you said that. This is cool. Beautiful it is a beautiful place. It is a beautiful yeah. place, but um, it's beautiful. It's cool. I love Rotorua. It's where I'm from originally. Mark, you actually live there. Um, no, he grew up there. Mark, you grew up there, didn't you? Here's the funny thing. So Mark's um, he immigrated from the Philippines, and he went. He lived in Rotorua, which I found was quite funny because I'm from Rotorua, which if mm -hmm. anyone doesn't know, it's in the middle of the central North Island. Um, real great tourist destination. If you haven't been, mm -hmm. someone should check it out and take you. And then Mark yeah. went to a, a, a Maori school, which is called... Whakarewarewa, yes. Um, and and what, I was, what I was saying to Mark is, and as Mark will continue, 
What were you saying? Oh, what were you saying? What I was saying about Rotorua? Oh, what you were saying was that um, this is where I think your your true passion really is. Like, if you unearth it and you dig deep, is that you want to change the mindset of the people in Rotorua because it just hasn't grown, right? It hasn't grown. Like, this, I, I think when we moved in 1996, I think the population was about 70,000. It's now, in 2019, 23 years later, like 74,000. We're going to get There's killed like, in the comment section for this. <laughs> but you, know, but you know what I mean? Like, it hasn't grown. And it's because the mindset they have there, and you, you, you started a company there, and you saw what it was like, right? And you tried to beat it then and there. And the, the mindset there is that they're happy with what they have, not knowing that three hours away, there's a there's a city with a GDP of $40 billion, where the GDP or the gross domestic product of Rotorua is probably like one one hundredth of that, and it could be far okay. more. But it's more because of it's more because of the people and the way they, the way the, the way they think. It's very limited and very small. And I remember you saying this to me, like we weren't talking about you being a mayor, right? But you think your friend Savio could be the mayor instead. Well, either way, it's a win. I do. I do. <laughs> I do think you could be the mayor. I won't forget it. I won't forget it. But your, your passion lied with seeing the people in Rotorua grow. You know what I mean? So I knew then that the passion or whatever you were going to do around that. You would succeed in because one, you had the purpose, and B, right, you were passionate about seeing people grow. And as a teacher, may you be in sales or whatever it may be, I personally believe those are two really, really important facets of a successful teacher. They ha it has to be one. It, those two things needs to be part of your artillery, part of your DNA. I agree. I totally agree. Yeah, I totally agree. I suppose, uh, yeah, it is a it's a mindset thing, right? And one of the great things about sales that it's taught me, and I'll get into another question I've got for you as well, but it's limiting beliefs, right? And setting those yeah. limited beliefs for you and understanding that the limit that you can push yourself is only to the point that you can believe you can go. Yeah, agreed. Did I, did I say that correctly? So if I believe well, I that I can't do anything or yeah. I can't do any better, I'm right. But if I believe that I can do better, I'm right as well. It's yeah. all... It's a belief system. It really is. And being in sales, I watched. I like, like I said, right? The, the gentleman that came to came to work with me, his uh, my first employee at the time. He, I watched him go from actually. Sorry, he wasn't the first employee, but he was one of the first. And wow. I watched him go from I can't to I can to I just did it. So that's easy in in a matter of a week, one week, because we had a proven strategy. He was, and, and we, we managed to, to build him up, build him up, build him up. You know, what, what you talked about earlier, getting that momentum going, that momentum, momentum, momentum. And by day five, he had, he had made a whole bunch of money. He had changed those belief systems. And, and the next week later, he had come in, and that was no longer even relevant. Like, his thought process had moved so far. And I watched this gentleman go through tremendous, um, tremendous growth. And as you know, growth is an inside job, right? It comes from yeah. the inside out. To go back to Rotorua and understand what, where I was coming from in that sense, it really is an inside job to, to, to believe that you can do something, to try and change from the inside, change yourself, work an extra couple of hours, rather than to think that the community has to change before I as a person can change. And I think that was a bit of the issues that I had there, is trying to make sure that everyone can grow as people and then, you know, in, in whatever way that I'm, I'm looking to you know, would it be sales or, or business acumen or, or whatever it might be? Yeah. Um, here's a quick question, just talking about, because I'm talking about growth here. 
Um, and I know we have to wrap things up soon, but that's that's okay. We've got a little bit more time. A sales yeah, floor. How is how important is a sales floor and a sales team in order to achieve a goal? Because yeah. I watched our sales team smash yeah. some goals, man. Um, it is going to be this is unpopular opinion, right? But then hopefully people understand where I'm coming from, and I'm very biased towards sales. But the most important asset in any company is people, right? We can all agree on that. But further than that. I don't believe a company can be successful without a proper sales team or salesperson. You don't need to have a full team, but the salesperson or sales team is responsible for the growth of that company. You can have a great customer service team. You can have a great accounts team. You can have a great director. You can have a great every other department, but those departments do not have anything to do unless you have clients or products sold. And those products and clients come from sales or salespeople. So, the importance of a sales floor or the importance of a sales culture or the importance of a sales team is the utmost importance. It really is. It's more important than a product, right? You don't have to have the best product in the world. You need to, you need to have the best salespeople. You could, you could literally grab the biggest – our sales team got to a point where I truly believe that if we changed the product to cardboard boxes huh. and we gave you guys a great commission check on cardboard boxes – we would have sold the most cardboard boxes New Zealand and Australia had ever seen in the space of a week. <laughs> I'm dead serious, right? Because it's the product plays a big part, definitely, don't get me wrong, but the people behind that product who's driving that plays the most important part because we see products right now that, are, that isn't the number one product or the best quality, right, generate the best results all the time. We know that McDonald's, KFC, we know that fast food restaurants are not healthy, absolutely not healthy, definitely not. But the marketing behind what they do, the salespeople behind the marketing and what they do and how they deliver that message, make us still eat it. Like we, like a Big Mac is not good for you. There's no nutritional benefit of a Big Mac over a homemade sandwich. I feel like one already. <laughs> See, it's a and this is a trigger point. You're gonna say Big Mac. It's a trigger point, you know. But um, yeah, to answer your question, man, like, I, and again, this is my personal opinion. I don't see anyone more important in in a business or you know than the sales team they are so important it doesn't take away anything from other people and in other industries or sorry other departments because obviously a sales team can't survive without customer service without accountants and without you know managers and directors but those that outer influence literally won't have a job without products being sold you know so um yeah, I, I can't think of anything think, more important than the company. I think things are I think things are more more fun as well when you're doing it with others, right? Others that you respect as well, others that have grinded it out. I felt like uh, and I've been on other sales floors as well, man. Like guys where when I lived in Australia, um, and I was churning out printer printer cartridges. Um, yeah, printer cartridges. I was selling printer cartridges. Um, when yeah. I worked for uh, a friend of mine, his company called DTS. Um, yeah. And what they did was they um, they uh, raised funds for um, a whole bunch of charities, and, and and I worked on that sales floor. And one thing I found is that you become a little bit like wall bound, right? It's kind of like mm. wall bound, like you're being through the ups and downs, and you're smashing these targets, and you're trying to get somewhere, and you're trying to get to that destination. But as a team, and and times where um, you're feeling a little bit lethargic and they pick up the slack and, and that's something that I think a lot of great sales teams have is they have that camaraderie and that synergy which you usually yeah. only get at lower level jobs like uh, and I, this isn't 
I'm not looking to say that this one's better than the other, but you get it a lot with like uh, construction working or just like on the roads or something. You get that camaraderie between each other, you know, jobs that really suck. But we had that on a sales floor. I've noticed that on sales floors that I've entered and it's made a massive difference in my attitude towards towards and a lot of people's attitudes i think towards um what we're trying to do um man just for a lot of people out there because one thing that like i've talked about what why should you know why should salespeople be proud of what they do i mean myself once i decided to just own it and you know understand that look i'm a salesperson i should be proud yeah. of what i do my yeah. results in, in just getting out of bed improved dramatically yeah um we, man we live in a really insecure time and it's really unfortunate because it, like you said it's like you know being a salesperson should be something you're proud of and it's something i am proud of i definitely am and it's something that i need to preach more than i am now because even i hide in my titles and what i do um and i need to make sure that i actually preach it and change 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 the outlook of what sales is okay. but a story a story that i can kind of um, explain is that when i was in university right and i was studying psychology I remember I went to my course advisor and I told them I wanted to do neuropsych, right? Which was a study of the brain and understanding that I was really into it. Happy I didn't do it. But he showed me my career path. It was going to be another four years. I'd already spent four years in university and he goes, well, this career path, you can get a doctorate and you can become this neuropsych, uh, blah, blah. I forgot what it was called anyway. And it was another four years. And there was no way I was going to, because I wasn't passionate about it, number one. Right, that I was going to go into uni for another four years and be in more debt, 100k in student debt. And the issue I had was I, I had I was so I was so full of pride as a young lad that I had certain friends, two of them in particular, they were really really smart and they were also in uni- the same university. And one was on his way to become a doctor, right, and the other one was on his way to be a, a, a renowned health economist. And I knew their path shared a similar timeline, which was four years, right. So I knew in four years' time that they were going to become a doctor and they were going to be making between 70 to 80K a year straight off the bat from university. I remember that. And I said to myself that if I drop out today, if I leave university today, that in four years' time, I need to be in a position greater or equal to where they are without using education as my vehicle, right? So unfortunately, for the next year and a half, I became a bartender and started drinking and went backwards. So I was already a year and a half behind. So I, at one point, I was like, man, I got two and a half years to step up. But if it wasn't for sales, if it wasn't for the likes of Gopher and the companies like Search Rank Results and SRR and discovering that passion, when they finish university, right, me with less education, me with less knowledge about whatever it was, I was just a salesperson, right? So it's classified as a salesperson, was earning more money than them. I had a larger title in a business than they did. And I had more experience in the workplace than they ever did in four years. Mm. They, might have, they had a great title, like doctor, um, whatever it may be, right? But overall, in experience, in terms of knowledge and earnings, I was ahead, right? And that's where I think that those people that don't understand sales and that are not proud of it, right? You've got to you've got to understand what this industry can do for you. It, it's changed my life, but it's not only me. There's hundreds, thousands, millions of people globally. And there's hundreds that we know, right? That we can name off the ba- name on the top of our head right now that they dedicated their their craft into sales and they are living a, a life as close as possible to what they dreamt and are still striving every day from that. Mm. I, think, I think one of the key things that salespeople do 
by every other industry, right? And I'm not saying that there's obviously outliers, is that salespeople are never satisfied. Never satisfied. If you had a true salesperson that was a doctor, right, in a hospital, okay, I guarantee you that doctor who's a sales who's a born salesperson, salesperson's goal would not be to be the do- top doctor. It would not be to be the top surgeon. It would not be to run the bloody hospital. It'd be to own a hospital. I bet you. Because salespeople have this innate ability or innate um, way, which probably might be a DNA defect, of always wanting more, which means that they have to grow constantly. Right? But you see certain industries, they're happy with what they are, what, what they have. Oh, I've made 100K a year. I'm done. For the next 10 years, I'm happy with 100 grand a year. You tell a salesperson they made 100K a year, they're going to do whatever they can to make 200K next year. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Like they, they, have that t- they have this passion for growth, absolute passion for growth. I, I don't know why. I, I don't agree. know why we're ashamed of that. I don't know why we're ashamed to even mention that. Well, hopefully this, this chat, ma'am, if someone's listening out there and they might be able to take something for, from this. I, um, I, I watched, and I'll, I'll make this real quick, ma'am. I watched my, I watched my uncles, cousins, certain things, certain people, man, come up with some great ideas, especially one that lives in, in Australia. And if he listens to this, he'll probably have a good laugh. But he had some great ideas, man. This dude's always had great ideas. And uh, he's a good talker as well. Real good yeah. talker. He's got the gift of the gab, man. If if he had just nice. directed his, his energy into sales of some sort, uh, sky's the limits for this guy. But I watched him come up with some great ideas, man. And maybe he just had a lot of great ideas because he was uh, sat around kind of just chilling for a little while. But he'd come up with all these great ideas. And I'll tell you one little funny thing that he came up with. Um, a whole bunch of guys back in the day in Melbourne, 2000 and middle, mid 2000s, they were walking around, they had all these cuts in their jeans and he yeah. said, dude, Maldives have been wearing jeans like that forever. <laughs> and, uh, I cracked up laughing and I remember thinking about it and I was thinking, well, if we came up with that idea, which I don't think we did, he was just talking a lot of shit, but, uh, wouldn't you like to have someone that was, had the gift of the gab or the sales experience to be able to push that product? Like, yeah, really? Like the, how many products have have I've seen? I've I've literally watched products, man, get created where I've seen someone else do a cheaper, shittier version, maybe a decade beforehand, and then like ten years later, another product's come out and it's it's been a massive hit. You know, yeah. to be all these great talent, there's talent out there, beautiful singers, man, people with the voices of angels, beautiful people, man, out there, but they don't have someone that'll push them as a product that can sell them so that an, an audience will be able to monetize that. And that was something for me that made me feel proud that I could take a particular product, could take anything if I really felt passionate about it, and I could really sell that vision and sell that idea and sell that person, whatever it might be, their beliefs to an audience that's eventually going to help this person, their idea, whatever it might be, move forward. And I think that's where I gained a lot of pride from that, from from sales, from, oh, my, from my own experience. Oh, true. Dude, oh, true. It's, it's almost quarter two, and... Um, that went so quick, man. It did, huh? It goes real quick. Well, look, thanks, thanks for doing this with me, man. I really appreciate it. Um, do it again, we, we, def- we can definitely do this again when you get a bit of time. Um, but look, man, just before we we go, I know it's your son's birthday, so happy birthday yeah. to your son, Mason. Um, yeah. he listens to this one day and learns will, from man. it. He will for sure. And uh, look, man, you've obviously you've got your business. How can people find out about you online? Um, at- at Co, M-A-G-C-A-L-I-N-G Co on Instagram, uh, Co on Facebook. Uh, the two platforms currently we are um, entertaining content on. 
Um, and then soon the YouTube channel Inspirational Inspired by Kane will be out. Um, but I'm, I'm, a bit, I'm a bit delayed on the social media platforms and releasing our content. But okay. Kane is the best place to find it. Magdalene yeah, Cone. And for those yeah, who don't know, it's M-A-G. M-A-G-C-A-L-I-N-G-C-O. And you've got training material coming soon. <laughs> oh, man. We, You're going to teach sales, right? Perhaps? We have, we have training material. The, yeah, the thing is, do. I have all this material. I just haven't released it. You know, that, so... That's, that's something that we can uh, look forward to doing, man. It's, um, oh, it's been a pleasure, brother. Excited, excited. Hey, thank you, Kane. Thank you, guys. Not a problem, mate. Hey, what's up? It's Kane here. Uh, if you like this content, follow me on Full Circle with Kane Bradley on Instagram. Make sure you hit the subscribe button or the like button. Uh, Full Circle with Kane Bradley on Facebook. You can always just follow content on there. Um, or if you're on Spotify, make sure you give us a follow on Spotify and make sure you hit the notification button so that you can be updated with uh, any new content that has been shared. Cheers.